0: Hi, I'm Derek Thompson. Does the news feel overwhelming to you these days? There's a pandemic, then there's inflation, and also this crypto thing? It's way too much to keep track of. That's why my podcast, Plain English, breaks down the news twice a week. Short, sweet, and surprising, it's everything you need to know with key insights you won't forget. Listen to Plain English Free on Spotify.
1: This episode is brought to you by Netflix, presenting The Crown, as the beloved series bids farewell. Deserving of praise on every level, says New York Magazine. Throughout its groundbreaking six-season run, The Crown has featured three different casts, earned 273 award nominations, and secured 70 award wins, including outstanding drama series. Critics rave, The Crown secures its place in the pantheon of television history. From creator and writer Peter Morgan... The final season stars Imelda Staunton, Dominic West, and SAG Award winner Elizabeth Debicki. The Crown for your Emmy consideration in all categories. It is Tuesday, January seventeenth. It's been a theme park roller coaster of a year for the Walt Disney Company. We've talked about this stuff on the show a bunch. Disney stock dropped forty-five percent in twenty twenty-two. The parks did great business, but streaming is a huge money suck, and without a good return on the investment, at least not yet. And then in November, the Bob-on-Bob violence, the Bob apocalypse, the Bobicide, whatever you want to call it. Bob Chapek was out as CEO, Bob Iger was back in, and for the most part, employees and investors were happy about that news, eager to see what moves Iger would make. Not everyone, though. Nelson Peltz, the billionaire activist investor, was opposed to Iger returning and he and his firm, Tryon Partners, have bought up about $900 million in Disney stock and have been asking for months for Pelts to be added to the Disney board of directors. He claims Disney is overspending, its balance sheet sucks, it overpaid when it bought most of Fox for $71 billion in 2018. It should be restoring its dividend, he says, which it ended during the pandemic. And that Pelts on the board would bring fiscal discipline and better results for shareholders, just like it did when he fought to be added to P&G and some other company boards. he has got a long history of that. But Iger and the Disney board kindly extended their middle finger to Pelts. They don't want this agitator on the board, and they think they've got the right people in there. Just today, they issued a pretty scathing response to Pelts, noting that he has very limited media experience and, quote, does not understand Disney's business. They also noted that they've got a new board chair in Mark Parker, a guy from Nike. So they're actually doing a lot of the things already that Peltz wants. It's an old-fashioned proxy fight at Disney, ahead of a shareholder meeting that's supposed to take place in March. And this is something that Iger isn't really used to. Given his track record of success at Disney during his first tenure, He was given a ton of leeway and didn't have many blowups with investors, at least not publicly. Peltz is now waging a very public war to convince shareholders to return that middle finger to Iger. He's got this website called Return the Magic with a whole PowerPoint presentation of what's wrong at Disney. I read the whole thing. It's not too impressive. A lot of complaining, not really any solutions. But still, this guy is not going away. And it's exactly what Iger doesn't want to be talking about as he figures out how to right this ship. But here we are, should Disney be afraid of Nelson Peltz? We've got Lucas Shaw from Bloomberg back with us today to break down the proxy fight, what Peltz wants, whether he'll get it, and what it all means for the immediate and long-term future of the world's biggest entertainment company. From The Ringer and Puck, I'm Matt Bellany, and this is The Town.
0: All right, we are here with Lucas Shaw from Bloomberg. Welcome, Lucas. Great to be back. Uh, I, I hear you have a a steaming hot take for me, so I'm very excited. Oh, we'll, for... we'll
1: get into that. But yes, I, I have an opinion on this subject. I'm happy we're finally doing it. You were out of town for a week. Uh, we can now dive into the whole Nelson Peltz versus Bob Iger at Disney narrative, which has been pretty raging for the past week. We had a development this morning. Uh, Disney Responded to Nelson Peltz, the activist shareholder who is demanding a spot on the Disney board and claims that Disney is uh, having all kinds of financial problems and its balance sheet looks terrible. Uh, Disney says, not true. Disney says, Nelson Peltz does not understand Disney's business and lacks the skills and experience to assist the board in delivering shareholder value in a rapidly shifting media ecosystem. They have a whole bunch of other responses to basically saying that, yes, they are fixing, they have a plan to get the stock back on track. They uh, put Iger in this position to do exactly this. The board is qualified. They have a, quote, uh, highly qualified board, which has provided strong oversight focused on delivering superior, sustained shareholder value. This is not great for Disney right now. They've got, the last thing they want to be talking about is an activist investor challenging their strategy. They want to be talking about how to get the company back on track after a pretty terrible year. Uh, what do you think Nelson Peltz actually wants
0: here? Well, I think he, like any savvy investor, he sees an opportunity, right? You've got this blue chip company, the biggest entertainment company in the world, one that's uh, you know navigated the, despite what what he says navigated the transition to streaming better than most of its peers has weathered the decline in the movie business better than most of its peers has diversified overseas it's a it's a a really you know well-positioned company for the most part that had a rough year partially because of self-inflicted wounds and partially because of just sort of secular trends both in its industry and the economy and he can get in now try to agitate for some changes and 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 his either way his stock based on when he bought it is almost certainly going to go up in the next few years and he can exit at a good moment now in in his in his filing last week nelson peltz and Tryon made clear that they're you know a longer term activist basically they're not in it for the kind of the quick pump and dump um but that is the, the basis of this, is he sees an investment opportunity and uh, you know he, he, he gets to throw his weight around at a big company, which he has a, a long track record of doing.
1: But what is he actually asking for? Well, that's, that's what so that's, I read this whole yeah. thing, the Restore <laughs> the Magic website, which if you go to it, by the way, he bought some ads. So if you search for it, it's the first thing that comes up. I, I just, I don't understand. He's just bitching. He's saying, yeah, we want you to make more money. Yeah, we want streaming to be You know, more profitable. Great, everyone does these days. You know, he says he's not looking to replace Iger, although he was opposed to Iger coming back. He was dealing with Bob Chapek before they made the CEO switch, and I just look at this and I'm like, God,
0: what is this guy actually asking them to do that they are not already doing? Well, so here's, I'd say, uh, I, I I mostly agree with you, but here, let's say this is what Nelson Peltz gets right. The stock is way down, which creates an opportunity for for any kind of long-term oriented investor. The board and the CEO have totally mismanaged the company as it pertains to succession, which is a huge issue and something that uh, he does... But but he's
1: not talking about that. He mentioned succession. He should be talking way more about that because that's the thing they did
0: screw up. The three things that he says that they screwed up that I think he's kind of right about, or the failed succession, indisputable, not really sure how having... The 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 activist comes in helps with that when they just brought in a new CEO and he has said that he's gonna gonna oversee succession. Time will tell.
1: The new board chair Mark Parker is gonna do a committee there, so you know that could be lip service, but they're at least saying that they have a plan. I do think
0: that. Uh, Iger, like basically every major media CEO, was overpaid over the last many years. But again, not really the reason for an activist to get involved.
1: Great. Stand in line and complain about CEO pay. I mean, that's, that's every company.
0: His main contention seems to be that the Fox deal was a bad deal. They overpaid for it. It forced them to take on a bunch of extra debt. And then they stopped paying the dividend, which does not matter in terms of the corporate strategy, does not matter to you and me, but does matter a lot to investors who like to get that money to the, the, every year. Um, and so I think a big question is: do you believe that the Fox deal was a screw up? Um, and and if so, what should be done about it? But yeah, I mean, he does not, it's not like he ha- he presents some grand media, some grand strategy for what Disney should do. Um, it and which is, which is sort of the the basis of Disney's pushback is this guy has no idea about media.
1: Right. And listen, we can debate the merits of the Fox deal. I mean, Disney paid 70 point, 71 billion dollars for most of the assets of Fox in 2018, 2019. And, you know, that's a lot of money. And the company was carrying a lot of debt. I think it's BS to say that that is the reason why the dividend Ended. The dividend was suspended during the pandemic when Disney's businesses went from hugely profitable to zero. Zero theme parks for months, zero cruises, zero theatrical movies being distributed. That's when you pull the ripcord and say, no, 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 we're not going to give away dividends now. We're going to keep our money and invest it where we can. That was the problem. So I don't buy that argument. And the second one is, you know, the 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 Fox deal, like, okay, that that's something that you can debate over, but that's in the past. Like, what do they want to do about that? You can question Iger all you want, but that's not a strategy going forward. Plus, I mean, just to put it out there, the Fox deal wasn't a disaster. I mean, if you look at what would have happened to Disney had they not bought Fox, I mean, someone else, probably Comcast, would have bought all those assets, would have controlled Hulu, which is what, 50 million subscribers at this point would have had the avatar franchise which is about to hit 2 billion would have had the simpsons would have had you know x men and fantastic four there's you know fx networks there's all sorts of things that disney got in that fox transaction that have helped it as you said really distinguish itself in the streaming wars and become the player that it is i mean my kids on disney plus all the time watching simpsons watching home alone over the holidays these are fox assets that really helped Disney in ways that I'm not sure Peltz understands. He
0: just sees the debt number on the balance sheet. Well, there's a, there's a reasonable argument to be made that the price was way too high, right? It's the same thing if you talk to people at Comcast about the Sky deal, which Nelson Peltz also talks about in his letter. They will admit, at this point, that they overpaid for Sky. They, feel, they still think it was a smart deal. And it Wait, wait, dem- Dizzy didn't buy Sky. No, no I, I, yeah, I know. I said if you ask someone at Comcast, oh, at Comcast they, yeah. will, they will admit that they overpaid for Sky, but they still think that it was a good asset to have. I think if you got Bob Iger after like four glasses of wine, I don't even know if he drinks that much wine. In a he night. does. He does good Um, (laughs) that he would admit that they probably overpaid a little bit for Fox because Fox's movie studio has been a disaster and they haven't really the the Fox deal only makes sense if Disney ends up buying all of Hulu, which it should have done anyways, which brings me to the key point in all this, which is a lot of the stuff that Nelson Peltz wants them to do or think about. They're already doing or thinking about right They have to figure out what to do with Hulu. Now, I think they should have already taken care of it, but that's clearly on the the priority list for the next year or two. They have to decide what to do about ESPN and ABC. They have to decide what to do about Succession. And they just more generally need to restructure the company after the Chapek restructuring. All these are things that Bob Iger is going to do.
1: Yeah. And you you let a guy like this into the henhouse, so to speak, and... You know, you have no idea what he's going to do. My colleague at Puck, uh, Bill Cohen, wrote an interesting piece this weekend about Peltz's history with companies like GE where he got in there after agitating and then ultimately the CEO Jeffrey Immelt was gone. And he start, you know, he, he's he is not someone that plays nights. He's not someone that goes away, which is why he's, you know, become such a problem for them. And I just feel like if you are Disney and you're trying to put a strategic vision in place for the next 5 years. A guy like this is just going to be a problem. So it makes sense to me that they would
0: tell shareholders not to vote. So what do you, vote do you for but, but 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 part of you you brought up Bill's piece, part of what he argued was that Disney should probably invite him in because it'll be worse for them if they don't.
1: Well, he's I disagree with that. I think that they should um I, I, I agree with Disney's stance on this. That they don't need him. And why should they bring him in? Bill's, Bill's argument is that this guy is going to become such a problem, either externally or internally, that it might be better internally. Um, but I just see what he's done in the past. And Iger's, you know, Iger has had a lot of leeway with the board in his previous tenure. And it has worked out. I mean, Disney's stats they put out today, he doubled the S&P return. Uh, for shareholders during his tenure. A lot of the deals that he did in his tenure, Marvel, Pixar, Lucasfilm, um, those deals were criticized at the time for overpay. You know, people say he overpaid for all those companies and each one of them has paid dividends ultimately. So for this guy to come in and suggest that he is better suited to judge the strategic vision of a guy with that kind of track record without offering any real alternative? Like, why should they let him in?
0: Oh, because he's he's more dangerous to them on the outside. And he's just... The, the, the argument for letting him in, I guess, would be that this guy will not go away until he gets what he wants. Um, but... Let him go do... away. You
1: know what? Put it to the shareholders. Do you think that the Disney shareholders are going to side
0: with Nelson Peltz or with Bob Iger. Definitely Iger. I mean I don't I think they could pro- they, they 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 can try to wait him out no question and I, I I understand the desire to do that. Uh the the danger in it is Bob Iger is supposed to be back for two years to and is in the middle of trying to orchestrate this turnaround and if he has to spend half of his time thinking about this proxy fight with Nelson Peltz Um, that that's a real drag on the company. Now, maybe he can deputize uh, you know, if you if you look at a lot of the the communications, it seems like the general counsel, Horacio Gutierrez, has hand has done a lot of the direct outreach with Pelts. You can have your head of IR, Alexio Quadrani. You can have the CFO, Christine McCarthy. You have other people you can throw at this, but it does mean that you will have company resources tied up in it. I suppose you could argue you will either way because then you'll be working through it with him. But at least then he's part of the process. I'm not I'm not saying they sh- they should invite him in there, but there is an argument that it will be it's a distraction that they just don't need right now.
1: Yeah. And I wrote about this a little bit this past weekend. Iger has a narrative around him and he always has, and he's very conscious of his public perception and the narrative that he would like us all to be talking about is the big turnaround that he's going to start executing in 2023. And this throws a big wrench into that narrative and essentially is forcing him to play defense when he is used to playing offense. So, you're right. That is the biggest problem here. But this leads to my hot take that you referenced at the beginning. I, I think this whole Peltz fight and situation may have been a big impetus for why they replaced Chapek with Iger in the first place. Think about it. If Chapek was going back and forth with Nelson Pelts all summer and trying to figure out how to deal with this guy. They bought up, you know, $900 million of shares. And you're the board. You're thinking, God, it's much easier for shareholders to vote with Bob Iger over Nelson Peltz than to vote with an embattled Bob Chapek over Nelson Peltz. They may have seen this as the tip of the iceberg, and then all of a sudden, the board loses control with this guy. That may be... The tipping point
0: and what got chapek fired i think i had a similar thought uh reading over the the disney blow by blow this morning because you you look at it and the fact that these these this conversation started several months ago it started in 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 june or july chapek
1: went to palm beach and met with
0: him apparently which is a big gesture um and 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 he had started to reach out to them when Dan Loeb, another uh, you know another hedge fundy investor, was also making some noise around Disney. Now they placated Dan Loeb basically by appointing Carolyn Everson, a former Facebook and Instacart executive, to the board and some other stuff that clearly was not enough for, for Nelson Peltz. And I, I think it, it, it had to be one of the motivations. There's no question that you have a stronger hand against an activist with Bob Iger than Bob Chapek. Um, I, I do still think that the, the, the crappy earnings report and his handling of that was probably a bigger factor. But there's, there's no question that, uh, that, that having Tryon hanging around was, was a risk. Yeah, I mean, the other thing
1: here is that it also puts more pressure on Iger to raise that stock in 2023. I mean, I think if well, you're Peltz... Can, th- th- there can't be more pressure. That's well, like his... <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of pressure regardless. But I'm saying, the thing Peltz is probably thinking is, yeah, I'm going to lose this shareholder vote. Nobody's going to go against Iger now. But in 6, 8, 12 months, if this stock hasn't recovered, then I come back, and then I say, told you so, and then, maybe some of these shareholders
0: look at the situation and say, "Eh, maybe let's try what this guy's saying, yeah, well, I guess we'll we'll start to get a sense of how these companies are doing in the next kind of two to four weeks because Netflix reports earnings on Thursday, Disney's usually at the end of corporate media media earnings season they're they're gonna be in early February um But that will give at least an update on how they did at the end of the year. And then there'll also be some kind of guidance or forecast for for this year and this current quarter. The Um, annoying thing for Disney has got to be that
1: they know their stock is so influenced now by Netflix and what happens there. Because the whole reason they dropped, or one of the many reasons, but the big one, is that the streaming profitability is being questioned by Wall Street. And that was that started all the way back with netflix in spring of last year. so if netflix posts a big quarter, i think disney stock definitely helps.
0: yeah, until helped. but it depends obviously on i you know, on on how they do. they um you know, their their most recent downturn was because they put they had a horrible forecast for for 2023. uh and i don't know, i mean they didn't have disney plus didn't have like Big big shows at the end of last year that I remember. Uh, all right. So, I did you. By the way, did you see in the the proxy filing from Disney this morning, or the filing from Disney this morning uh, about Jeff Morell's payday? Oh, I did not. He is the former communications executive slash government guy who
1: got them into the helped get them into the florida debacle with ron desantis and a bunch of other things what
0: he
2: got what did he, he get got, to go with? he got
0: he well he got paid millions millions of dollars for just a few months of work nice i think great. it was like eight million dollars something like that great work if you can
1: get it uh good luck to him he's now his new job he's advising ceos on what to do he's at this company i forget the name uh that is now advising CEOs, which is the exact problem he had at Disney, but whatever, that's a separate topic. I want to talk about the Ike Perlmutter angle here because one of the reveals in Disney's response to Pelts is that Ike Perlmutter, the chairman of Marvel, who was once a very influential executive slash gadfly at Disney, but was marginalized by Iger. There was a whole situation uh, a few years ago where Kevin Feige, who is the creative executive at Marvel and is largely credited with the amazing run that that company division has had in the past 15 years, he was getting big-footed and second-guessed and just couldn't deal with Ike Perlmutter anymore. Ike is a sort of notorious, crazy person. And he went to Iger and said, listen, you know, in so many words, he's like, I can't deal with this anymore. So Iger basically felt that it was Ike or Kevin Feige, and he chose Kevin Feige, which is the smart decision. And this, now we learn that Nelson Peltz has been conspiring, chatting with, you know, having Ike Perlmutter on his side in this war against Disney. They're both billionaires. They both live in Palm Beach. They're 80 years old, both of them. Uh, I can just see them sitting around bitching about Disney and Iger and everything going on. So is this really just ike's revenge on Iger. No. no but 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 a little bit of it for sure what um, makes you say no listen don't
0: underestimate two cranky 80 year old billionaires sitting around bitching oh i mean i think it's a factor but i don't think i don't think uh nelson peltz is the kind of guy who who goes to war with one of the biggest companies on the planet uh just because ike perlmutter is in his ear yapping a little bit but i, I do know think
1: they're both I'm big sure- trump guys they host fundraisers like. I I just feel like they just wanted he wanted Dis- to drop a Disney, bomb.
0: Disney Disney's too Disney's too woke now. Let's fuck <laughs> yes. <talk> them.
1: <with> <laughs> they saw they saw Strange World and they were super upset.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, look, the the uh, gay kiss in Lightyear was too much. You're more you're you're more familiar with the uh the the Palm Beach billionaire scene than I am, so I'm going to defer to well, you. Well, Ike, at- Ike is a notorious figure. I mean, he used to call Iger
1: early in the morning and complain, and you know, he was there. A lot of stuff came out when he left, like he didn't want to make Black Panther, he didn't think people would go see a movie with black leads, like stuff like that.
0: Yeah, so not a great guy.
1: No, but you know, this is what happens. I think when he's got this guy in his ear, and and Ike was calling disney board members advocating for this guy still is probably
0: yeah well they're I, t- as as you note they're buddies uh politically inclined geographically close uh but you know if you if you look at the history of of pelts and Tryon, they're like they're fairly targeted in what they go after um so but look if 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 Ike Perlmutter can in some way exact revenge on Disney this way, uh, I'm sure that will give him great satisfaction.
1: Between Ike and Nelson Peltz and then Rupert Murdoch having a new girlfriend, it's been a big month for 80-something, 90-something billionaires.
0: So do, do you do you think that Disney basically stands its ground and, and does not give in? Yeah, at least for now. I think they put up a
1: fight. The shareholders side with Iger. And then he gets a few months to start turning things around. And if it does turn around, then pelts will go away or we'll take some sort of concession. Uh, the funny thing is, is that he was on CNBC talking about how he was offered an advisory role. And then Disney comes out today, say, no, 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 we did not offer him an advisory role. We offered him a separate information role where we would provide him information on the side. So, He's
0: sort of overstating, I think, his influence here already. Well, he's got, I mean, look, he's, he's got he's to play up his hand. I mean, he's, he's, trying to for, he's trying to force Disney to do something that they don't want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah,
1: they may have some sort of concession for him that I, I don't He's I don't just know. trying to restore the magic. we all do we all want to restore the magic that's 2023's big goal uh the you know they're already at the parks they're already saying that they're going to do stuff to lower prices and make it more flexible for families um that that wins points with the disney fans i mean disney has a whole point uh powerpoint on what they're doing already so having ike and nelson peltz you know, standing on the rooftop screaming about things that Disney should be doing—they're already
0: doing a lot of this. Yeah, well, but look, they weren't doing they 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 weren't doing it when he started. And Disney's big answer to "Oh, we're in deep trouble" is let's bring back the guy who ran the company before, uh, who couldn't figure out succession then. So I, I I understand he has he has reason to be skeptical. You look at the board. Which is what he's trying to get a seat on, and the board's performance over the past few years has not been good. Yeah, but that, but right, but that gets to the more of the succession
1: issue, and you know, backing Chapek, and then all of a sudden deciding a few months later that they were not going to back JPEG. Uh, They've replaced that board chair, Susan Arnold, who was termed out. So maybe that's the answer. Not sure there. So how how does how do you think this plays out?
0: How does this end? Um, well, Disney tries, I think you're right that in the short term, Disney basically blocks pelts and tries to turn it around, make, have there be. What they'd call sort of organic growth and change at the company where revenue and profits look better this year than they did last year, the company overperforms bob Iger restructures he convinces people that he has a plan they sort out something i think this this uh this puts even more pressure on him to sort out succession um but uh you know the the my my guess is my 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 bet would be to to that the company is manages to to hold it out but um. So you think that they will not ultimately add him? I think in the short term, they will do everything they can to avoid it. But that's, you know, it'll depend on the performance of the company and, and how much of a fight this guy has on it, on, in him, which is probably a lot. I think it will, all, it will also exacerbate some of the
1: cost cutting that is planned. They really want to show that they are trimming some of this excess fat, in Peltz's opinion. So we're going to see layoffs. We're going to see cost cutting at Disney this year. All right, Lucas, thanks for coming on. Uh, We will check back in on this topic later. Thanks, Pat. This episode is brought to you by Netflix, presenting The Crown, as the beloved series bids farewell. Deserving of praise on every level, says New York Magazine. Throughout its groundbreaking six-season run, The Crown has featured three different casts, earned 273 award nominations, and secured 70 award wins, including Outstanding Drama Series. Critics rave, The Crown secures its place in the pantheon of television history. From creator and writer Peter Morgan, The Final Season stars Imelda Staunton, Dominic West, and SAG Award winner Elizabeth Debicki. The Crown, for your Emmy consideration in all
0: categories. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth, plus view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com.
1: All right, we are back with the call sheet. Today, we've got producer Devin. Craig is out. Welcome, Devin.
2: Hello, it's great to be here.
1: I think Craig is having some more work done. I think he's getting the other side of his neck done. It was a little awkward. Only one side was done. It was very off-putting.
2: He's, he's going to look great.
1: He will. Better than ever. All right. Have you been catching up on the Oscar movies?
2: A little bit here and there when I can. Um, I've watched a few of them. Got a favorite? Uh, well, we just watched The Banshees of Inishirin.
1: Oh, yeah. What would you think?
2: I thought it was really great. It was um, funny and kind of glib and depressing and, um, <laughs> and very well acted. I wanted to cry and laugh, and I did neither of those things while watching.
1: Yeah. It, um, I like that one a lot too. My, my horse is Babylon, which only I liked. I think everyone else hated. So I, I went, I thought it was going to get a best picture nom. I'm not quite sure it'll get in. I, I think the buzz is kind of faded on that one.
2: Uh, I watched Babylon it, the other day. It felt like La La Land, but with more titties and cooking.
1: <laughs> yeah. It, uh, the raunch factor is high. I, I have a whole theory of this. I think Babylon is kind of brilliant, although the ending sucks and it's way too long, but that's a separate topic today. My prediction is I've got a couple of dark horse Oscar noms that I think are going to happen. The voting for the Oscars ends today, so we will know next week what the Oscar nominations are. And I am not in the business of making Oscar predictions across the board. There are people that do that much better than I do. You can Google them and find them. Sean Fennessy on the big picture is very good at this. Uh, I do have a couple of predictions that I have picked up just in talking to Academy voters and being out and around. One of them is, I believe this Indian movie RRR is going to get a Best Picture nomination.
2: Wow, I I haven't even um, heard that one on the radar yet.
1: It is on Netflix. And it is was not on anyone's radar at all until kind of the season started. But the Oscars have this new tradition with the larger number of international voters that they have admitted over the past five to seven years of international movies getting into the best picture race. It was never a thing because there is a separate category for best foreign language film. But, you know, starting with, obviously, Parasite, which won Best Picture a few years ago. And then last year, this movie, Drive My Car, got in a Japanese movie, which was a kind of three-hour tough watch, but got a Best Picture nomination. And I think this year, uh, there's a couple of contenders for that. A lot of people like All Quiet on the Western Front, which is a German war movie that um, got a lot of attention. But I actually think that RRR, which is this, you know, big Indi- big Bollywood-style movie, uh, uh, you know, crowd pleasing movie. It's getting traction and voters. I talked to love it.
2: I've also heard like in the same vein, the um, decision to leave is like a, is a big one. You heard about that one?
1: Yeah. 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 I don't know if that one will get in. Cause I don't think there's a real campaign behind it. Uh, I could be wrong, but you know, the, the RRR, the filmmaker is SS Rajamouli. Who's like a very big star in India is like the Spielberg of India, um, but and I think there's enough. You know, the, the the song got a Golden Globe last week, and he's been out on the circuit. He went to the Universal Awards party last Friday and was like, you know, bowing down before Spielberg. They met for the first time, so I think that. Uh, to get Oscar nominations, you got to work the town and work the event circuit and he's been doing it. So that's my first prediction. My second one is, is may not seem that controversial, but I think is a very big deal. I think Tom Cruise will get an actor nomination for Top Gun Maverick.
2: Ooh, okay.
1: Not, not all the, the prognosticators are saying that because he didn't get a SAG award nom and that the actors typically are the more populist and they tend to reward the more crowd-pleasing star-driven movies and shows and he didn't get a nom there but i think that the success of that movie and the fa- what it's done for the business over the past year it's definitely getting a best picture nomination and i think it's going to pick up some technical stuff for cinematography for the lady gaga song for a couple of other you know visual effects perhaps uh although it's funny tom cruise was telling everyone when the movie came out that you know oh all the flying's real everything's real in this movie and then now they're like campaigning hardcore for the visual effects Oscar, saying that they have as many visual effects shots almost as Spider-Man No Way Home, which is funny in itself. But I think that the love for Tom Cruise and the, what he did for this movie uh, and for the, the the business this past year will overcome you know, the populist argument, oh, he's just playing himself. He will get that nomination.
2: I love it. His first Oscar award?
1: Uh, he's never won an Oscar. He's been nominated several times, but he has never won an Oscar, and that is one of the tragedies. I don't think he's going to win This year, although who knows who's going to win in that category. Brendan Fraser probably has it locked up. But a lot more people saw Top Gun Maverick than saw The Whale. So we'll see how that plays out.
2: Very true.
1: All right, that's the show. I want to thank Lucas Shaw for coming on from Bloomberg. I want to thank producer Devin Mancy. And I want to thank you. We'll see you later this week.
2: This episode is brought to you by State Farm.